Grace, mercy, and peace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is the text from Mark 10, just read. 1.6 billion dollars. I am sure that by now many of you have contemplated that number in your own minds, talked about it with co-workers and friends, and played the if scenarios. If I had 1.6 billion dollars, I would. I would build a school for the church and pay the salaries of all the teachers at that school. I would update the dorms and facilities at the seminary, and I would buy my mom a nice house and one for each of my family, too. I would donate to all kinds of charitable causes. Man, if I had $1.6 million, billion, I would, I would, I might, I could. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. Okay, yeah, difficult. I am the king of handling difficult. I do it all day. I could do that. Difficult part? Yeah. That school for the church, and don't forget the seminary and the poor. I would help fund some programs for the poor. I would, of course, help my family and friends. Cars, cars. Not a McLaren. I would kill myself in the first 250 miles. Um, too much car. But, but, uh, yeah, but, and the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them, again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. It's hyperbole, an overstatement to make a point. I've heard it explained this way. I mean, it is hard, real hard, to get into heaven if you're rich. $1.6 billion. Let's see. The eye of a needle thing was that there was a small entry into a city that one could enter after dark, you know, around midnight. And they didn't want to open the big gate because... Accidentally, they might let in a bunch of miscreants and, you know, bad guys. So it was a real small opening, so small that you had to take your camel and unload it and put everything to the side, and the camel would crawl through, and then your stuff would have to go through, and you'd go through little by little. It was really hard, and, but it could be done. And did I say I was the king of handling difficult? So, and remember, the new dorms for the seminary, and, well, okay, St. Louis, too. And with a foundation, I will start. We can rebuild some of the churches that were damaged down in the, uh, the southeast with the hurricanes and storms. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible. You see... The eye of a needle really is the eye of a needle, and a camel is really a camel. Remember last week's gospel lesson and the rich young ruler that went away full of sorrow because he thought he had his salvation worked out. 
He wanted to know what he had to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus pointed him to the law and the commandments of God that were to be kept. And the man reported to Jesus really quite piously and fully believing in his own words that he had kept the law from his youth. But he was told by Jesus, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Did he have the equivalent of $1.6 billion? I do not know. But for the disciples and the Jews of that time, wealth, and he had it, was considered a blessing from God, a sign of his good favor upon someone. If the rich, who are favored by God, is evidenced by the material success, if it was impossible for them to be saved, what about them? the disciples. They were not wealthy men. Who then can be saved? The answer was, and still is, it is impossible for anyone to enter the kingdom of God, that is heaven, on one's own. It is not only monetary riches that can get in the way of heaven. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. God blesses us richly with all manner of gifts. But Satan can and often does use these gifts of God to make out his greatest temptations and most powerful idols to turn us from God. The devil even uses our family. God's Word says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10. 37. Even parents and children can become idols. How many people forego church because of family members, possibly a spouse who will not attend, or children that fight the idea of getting up and going to church so you stay at home too rather than rocking the boat? Possibly it is then the false sense of peace that no arguing, pancakes, and sausage seem to bring that become the idol. People will also leave a church that teaches the pure Word of God and rightly administers the sacraments to go to a church that errs in some doctrine because they want their kids to have a better youth group. $1.6 billion. We all have idols in our lives, and it's impossible, not simply difficult, for us to inherit the kingdom of God by any of our own doing. No matter how great or small our doings, our attempt at finding a way into the kingdom are no good. Was it possible that there was a doorway called an eye of the needle that a camel could possibly fit through it if unloaded? Sure. But you and I don't need a God that can only do the possible when what we really need done is the impossible. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Jesus is the possible of God that has come down from heaven 
to do the impossible. As he moved toward Jerusalem, people, Jews and Gentiles, came to him looking for and finding the impossible solutions to their earthly problems. The father of a son possessed by demons that threw him into fire, the woman with the unceasing discharge of blood, the man who had been blind from birth, and a thief on the cross that at the hour of his death repented and was promised eternal life. All of these pointed to the only one who could do the impossible. It is Jesus who has brought life out of death. They saw a glimpse of it when he called Lazarus from his, from his tomb, and they saw the fullness of it with Christ's own resurrection on Easter morning. He has come and done the impossible. It is Jesus and his power to do what is impossible for us that we need. He has done all that we cannot do. He did what the rich young ruler could not do. He set aside his glory, gave up all to enter creation and be made man, and to suffer and die a needless death for himself, but a necessary death for all of mankind. Are you willing to believe the impossible? If you had a winning ticket for $1.6 billion, you would beat odds of 300 million to one that were against you. Yet certainly, hardly certain certainty of success in that proposition. It's really quite impossible. But Jesus has come and already done the impossible for you and won a prize worth far more than that $1.6 billion. It is, in fact, a prize that many, with far more than that amount of money, search for in all the wrong places and in vain. He has won the forgiveness of your sins and mine. And yes, that includes idolatry of things like winning vast sums of money or simply a quiet house, pancakes and sausage, or any other form of peace we think we might find in this world. He has won for you eternal life with his blood shed on the cross. He freely gives us peace. He gives us peace with God despite our miserable and sin-filled lives because he gives us his peace, which is impossible for us to attain by our own merit or effort. It is, this, it is the peace of knowing our lives are in his hands no matter our troubles. It is the peace of knowing our eternal life is secure. A life in the presence of God where sin and sadness will not be known. Only the joy of a gracious and loving God forever. Not because of what we have done to earn it, but because of Christ. Because Christ learned, earned it for us and gives it freely through faith in him. I am not sure we can wrap our minds fully around that, the idea of eternal joy with God. I know I can't wrap my head around the idea of $1.6 billion. What would that do other than possibly kill me within six months or six weeks or have me lose all my friends and family, but for the grace of God that he might will that I possibly survive the burden? And it would be a burden. But here and now, God gives us a small look at the peace we will have in heaven. As, family, as a family of believers, we gather before our God. He makes us his own in baptism. Think for a moment of the joy we have in 
baptizing people, especially infants, at that font into Christ. A little water with God's Word, and we look on and marvel what God does. And He feeds and nourishes us with His Word and sacrament and gives us His peace so we can share it and love one another as He has commanded. Do we do it perfectly? No. Simply impossible for us. But Christ has done what is impossible and done it for you. You have riches worth far more than anything on this earth. You are heirs of all that the one who created it has and owns. You're children of God. Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Amen.